Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for baseball, the NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. Awesome new and existing user promotions. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use. Safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, the open, the old course, 150 years at Go Low Podcast. This is a big week. Uh, To say I'm excited would be an understatement. I'm recording this on Tuesday, kind of morning. I I I couldn't sleep last night. I I got up, just laying there in bed at 4 a.m., turned on Golf Channel, and just watched press conferences, watched them live from the old course, went on YouTube. They just have a constant loop of the range and the course. It's awesome. It it, it really is. And uh, we got Sobel coming up, Jason Sobel talking gambling as we have him on every Golo pod. So uh, this is all golf today. We'll have a football podcast a little later in the week. But we we are dedicating this to the, uh, you know... We'll dive into the tournament, but obviously the Open. Uh, but there's some stuff that happened. We got to talk about old Greg Norman and Liv. And then I'll give some of my picks uh, as well. What I probably will do for Monday's show will just be a reaction to the Open uh, that will come out Monday morning. And then we'll have... I, I actually am interviewing some football guys, some players that will be out next week as well. So we content's flowing. Content's flowing. If you, if you want to get in the mailbag... At Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. At Golopod. And uh, I appreciate everyone who interacts and reaches out. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me when it comes to golf. At Golopod Instagram. But I wanted to start just with this event. And I think there are certain things in sports that, you know, if you're even if you're a casual sports fan, let alone... The level, I'm sure if you're listening to this or what I am at the highest level, 
where you just kind of know it's it's bigger than the normal event. Like, let's face it. You turn on a baseball game in the middle of July, it doesn't mean anything. The reason a lot of these conference realignments are happening in college football is because they play so many games that aren't generating the cash. USC playing Oregon State isn't making them any money. Right? But when Auburn plays Alabama in football, when Michigan plays Ohio State in football, when Duke plays North Carolina in basketball, when the Indy 500 takes place, when the NCAA tournament starts, when the World Cup happens, in golf, when the Masters happens, we all know it just means more than everything else. Right? It's why one problem for baseball is their regular season is completely irrelevant to us as the consumer. I'm not saying I watch some baseball, but it's why the playoffs are so big because they have so much inventory during the regular season. The urgency isn't there. So one thing football really hangs its hat on is every game matters because they don't have to play that many games, especially college football. But even the NFL, like losing a game could cost you the playoffs. Losing a game in baseball, that is not the case. You got 162 of them, even in basketball. Most of the league takes minimum off 15 games just to rest. And, and honestly, the reason Liv has a chance because the PGA Tour now has all these events, rightfully so, to try to generate money for their players that a lot of the players pick and choose and don't play. The John Deere just doesn't matter unless you bet on JT Poston and make three Gs like I did. Then it's awesome. But let's face it, the majority of people, you couldn't pay them to watch it. Even the week before the Travelers, it just lacked a little juice. You know, it just It just does. There's two or three PGA tournaments beside the players, Riv, even Pebble Beach, they all go to Saudi Arabia now. It just doesn't matter. And the Masters, there's nothing like it. And to me, the Open at the old course might not be the Masters, but it's damn close. The PGA Championship, I think, has taken a step up. It's the worst major of the group. And again, it's all relative. The U.S. Open, depending on the venue, can be awesome. This year was pretty cool. It ain't this. And it's definitely not the Masters. And it's, you know, it's a major, it's a big deal. It's a major. Wimbledon. I watched a decent amount of Wimbledon over the last couple weeks. Why? Because when it's on, you feel the gravity of it. You feel how much it means. Hell, they just pan around. There are dignitaries. There are famous people. It's cool. You you know, as a sports fan, like this means a lot. Even if the majority of players beside Djokovic and, and Nadal, I don't know who they are. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because they're playing on the grass. They're playing over there. It feels badass. And watching Tiger talk this morning, like he said, this event feels bigger than any event he's played in in terms of the Open. So I I, I can't wait. I've never been over there. The only Lynx golf I've ever played was Bandon Dunes, and it's pretty incredible. It, it's hard to beat. So I, I think the key is... You know, just enjoy it. I mean, this is one of those where if you live on the West Coast, you get up early, you watch some golf. You live on the East Coast, you get up, you know, right when you get up, it's rocking and rolling. So, I, you know, this is the type of course. These shots are so different. It looks so different. Last week was cool, but it's not true linksy. I mean, there were trees. Even watching the broadcast of the Scottish Open, they're like, might have been Treble Im- Immelman or Faldo was like, you know, th- there are probably more trees on this course than the majority of Lynx courses over here. And I like no trees. I like wide open. Crazy winds, which if you've ever banded banded dunes and you play in 40, 50 mile an hour winds, 
it doesn't suck that bad because ultimately you're right on the water. And there's nothing like Lynx Golf on the water or like at the old course with the town around there, hitting over hotels, the pot bunkers. Um, I, I couldn't be any more excited. Obviously, Tiger adds juice to this. But let's face it, whether Tiger played in this or not, this would have felt Masters-like because it, it had the juice of the 150-year and being at the old course, they haven't been there in seven years. So I, I, I'm pretty fired up. Speaking of this event, I mean, on Monday, they had the former champions, and they all got together and they played. And that included Louis Oosthuizen and Phil Mickelson, who are obviously now in live. Greg Norman was told not to come. And there's something to be said. Listen, you know, you, not everyone's going to like you. I, I don't care who you are. You're going to piss people off, especially if you're an alpha, a hard charger, a high achiever. People are not going to like you. Whether you could be a lazy loser and people aren't going to like you. So you just, you can't try to please everyone. That's impossible. But don't be a dick. Don't be an asshole. Just try to get along with people. And and I would say in sports specifically, there, there's one guy who I grew up watching Terrell Owens. And he was an incredible player. You know, it was at the end of Jerry Rice's career and T.O. was coming on. And it was clear, this guy's a mutant. Where did we find this guy? Third round pick from a school, not the University of Tennessee, Tennessee Chattanooga, was bigger, faster, stronger than everyone else. And then he just became this caricature that everyone kind of despised and got run out of town everywhere he went. But everyone acknowledged, like, for 10, 11, 12 straight years, this guy, one of the best players in the league, is this guy, beside Jerry Rice, like the best wide receiver we've ever seen? How do you stop this guy? And then his career ends, everyone hates him, he gets in the Hall of Fame after several tries. You can argue whether that's fair or not. And then he does his Hall of Fame speech, not even at Canton, Ohio. And it's like, what a sad turn of events. Well, honestly, what a sad turn of events. And ultimately, it came down, people did not like him. Teammates, coaches, obviously the media. Like, it's one thing when the media just doesn't like you. Like, ultimately, the media, I feel, there's a disconnect between live with the media and the fans. The media does despises live for morality. Most of the fans, we understand. Money makes the world go round. If we got offered those sums of money, the overwhelming majority of us would go. So there's a major disconnect, which the consumer and the media, which happens a lot now. It's like the media, you're not representing us, the people. So when I see these people get on their moral high horse, I think the small percentage of people get on their moral high horse in real life. Because you just turn off the internet, you go live life. Like most people are just pretty chill. Not that caught up in every little detail. Now, you can argue whether it's right or wrong, and it would be if they were just offering a million dollars and you're already a millionaire, it'd be stupid. But it's hard to tell someone to turn down $150 million. I was listening to No Laying It Up podcast on Sunday, and they had on a reporter from ESPN, and he had heard that the number they're offering Hideki Matsuyama was similar to the one Rory and John Rahm got because of the market he'd bring from Japan. We're talking like $400 million. Now, Hideki hasn't said yes. Obviously, Rom and Rory haven't said yes. But if one of those three did, and Hideki would be a big blow, obviously, Rory would be devastating. And John Rom, like Hideki, would be a massive blow. But how could you fault anyone for turning down $400 million? I respect anyone in any business that says no. It's the most powerful words you can ever have in business. And you could argue life. No. <laughs> You know, and in business, it makes you more valuable. But 
like I, if Hideki left at the end of the weekend for $400 million or $450 million or $350 million, Eamon Lynch and the, the Golf Channel elites would all call him a complete scumbag. I think most of us in society, most of us normal human beings would be like, can't blame him. Totally understand. I mean, it's, it's a lot of cash flow. So Greg Norman is involved in this. Greg Norman, like Terrell Owens, is one of the great talents the golf has ever seen. But when you watch that 30 for 30, and you could argue he got a little unlucky. I mean, he lost multiple majors on chip-ins. Multiple majors on chip. That's insane. That happened to him. In extra holes. Right? The, the, in the Masters, Larry Mize, that's crazy. And I'll never forget, and listen, I don't know Greg Norman. Never met the guy. Probably never will. I used. I actually own a couple of his shirts. I'll, I've always liked his golf clothing. Not going to lie. But you watch that 30 for 30, and if you watch documentaries on his career, he was an incredible player. But when it came down to winning at the biggest moments, it felt like he crumbled. And the thing I will never forget is when Fox got the U.S. Open, and they went to Chambers Bay, and that was the one Spieth won. And DJ, hole 18, par 5, hits it on in two. I think as like 15 feet for eagle. He hits, honestly, two putts. He went, he, I guess two putts forces a playoff. One putt wins the thing. Joe Buck throws it to, to, uh, to Greg Norman. Like, what are you thinking here? On the eagle putt. And Greg Norman literally choked. He had nothing to say. He went silent. It, it was honestly one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen at the high level of sports television. And clearly they ended up firing him. He was terrible. And I'm not saying that's reflective. Like some people just aren't good broadcasters. If you listen to me on three and out, we talk about that a lot with Jason Witten and Drew Brees. That doesn't just because you're not good at broadcasting, like whatever. But people despise this guy. People do not like him. Phil, you can say whatever you want. Like he does have a lot of people that like him. He did get along with a lot of people. Greg Norman clearly doesn't get along with a lot of people. Now there's a big picture thing that just happened. The White House and Biden and crew are going over to Saudi Arabia, right? They're going this week. They've already been in contact. And this week, specifically yesterday on Monday, it was announced that the DOJ is going to be looking into the anti-competitive behavior of the PGA Tour with this with the Saudi Live League. You can't tell me the two things aren't intertwined because one thing we're going over there is to beg for some help, right? To get us some gas, to get us, I mean, obviously you got to make gas with oil. You know what I mean? And if I'm the Saudi, he's like, hey, how does the real world work? You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. The media lives in this utopian society in the real world, in the business world, in the trenches of life, in the business community. That's the way it works. That's the way commerce is done. So if I'm Saudi Arabia, like, hey, I'll play ball with you guys. I'll help you guys out. But you have to do something that we're putting billions of dollars into. How about you help us out? And look into this thing. And I'm watching the Golf Channel before I went to bed on Monday night. And Rex Hoggart was talking about, he he's a writer, I think, for, I don't even know, maybe ESPN, but he does some stuff on Golf Channel. And he was speaking that he talked to several guys on the Live Tour. And you can put, it's pretty easy to figure this out. Maybe it was just one guy. This at the open and said that attorneys have already reached out to him and asked for information. Because they're looking into this thing. Now, Jay Monahan was quoted. They beat this 30 years ago when Greg Norman tried to do it to him before. So they've beat this. But I do wonder if this time it'll be a little different. And I, I, I'd be naive. Like, I don't remember 1991 or two. I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. But I do know the way society works now is we're pretty pro 
employee, as we should be, especially independent contractors. So I'm no lawyer, just have a couple random degrees from state schools that mean nothing. <laughs> Luckily, I can talk for a living. Not sure what else I'd do. Probably be digging ditches somewhere. And I'm not a great dick, ditch digger. So I do wonder, it's going to be tough. Again, there's precedent and that works in the courtroom, but I think it's going to be tough to overcome. And I do wonder if ultimately the PGA Tour is going to lose this battle. And I'm not necessarily saying because the politicians are forcing the DOJ here. I just wonder if it's kind of a black and white case that I'm an independent contractor. I should be able to do whatever I want. Now, as players and Billy Horschel went on the rant of saying, we sign a contract, the stipulations are black and white. But I do wonder sometimes when you look into that, is that contract fair? And should they be allowed to do this? I've said all along, I, as an independent contractor it, myself, I, I would be furious if I was a guy that wanted to kind of play both fields. Now, you can say that that's not what you grow up, what you should want to do. But if I was one of those guys, you know, if I was Taylor Gooch or Brooks Kepka that want to do both, uh, I'm glad that they have the ability to fight. And I probably th- feel pretty good about it. And I think Greg Norman told these guys, when you come, I think we're going to win. And that would create a lot of chaos. And that's why I think Rory, ultimately, when he played in this J.P. McManus Pro-Am last week, which is run by this huge billionaire, I'm sure he's starting to get the realization of like, one, these guys aren't going away. And two, this is the way the real world works. Like, they, they, they are not going to stop. So you might as well attempt to play ball. Now, you could argue, is Greg Norman and the Saudis going to play ball? Greg Norman won't. Maybe the Saudis will. Uh, they're in a weird spot. I've said it for over and over that I think Jay Monahan was reactive instead of proactive, and now they're at the spot. But ultimately, they're run by a guy who's hated by everyone. But I can't deny the videos coming out. He's got a little like A-Rod thing to him, even though A-Rod, unlike Terrell Owens, has battled back, and a lot of people like him, where Greg Norman, at least, you know, I, I don't know actually if a lot of former players, the former players that I ever met that kind of played in A-Rod era always hated him, but... I, you know, Greg Norman feels like kind of in a similar boat because everyone's like, yeah, he does, shouldn't be here. Tiger said that. JT said that. Rory said that. Like, we don't want him around here. I mean, that's, you know, this guy won the tournament twice. You could argue that's not even fair, but they don't want to make Greg Norman a big deal here because he'll make this about himself. And really, when I say himself, about the live tour, as he should. That's what I would do if I was in his shoes. So, and this is the thing with golf. Golf is kind of a closed, elitist country club thing in general, especially at the highest level. They don't have to do anything they don't want to do. So the one thing that could screw live at any moment is the Open, uh, obviously the Masters, the PGA, and you know the U.S. Open are a little different, but the U.S. Open, if they wanted to get ugly, they could ban all these guys. And th- this is not like... Just at any moment, the Muni Golf, you can just show up and try to get a tee time. That's not the way that the exclusive clubs work and the exclusive tournaments work. And you've seen them slowly flex their muscle, right? And this was their first move. Now, will that continue? I don't know. Uh, That's what makes this story so fascinating. There's so much unknown. And to me, it's one of the coolest stories would be the wrong way to put it. But I I would say most interesting stories in, in recent memory given how many different variables, how much it impacts, how much it get, brings people that don't even care that much about golf involved in this thought process. 
So it just showed you it's just another kind of part of this growing story. Now, let's face it. If you're Greg Norman and you're an egomaniac and you're obsessed with revenge and a vendetta against the PGA Tour, you would think they just did business with the European Tour and then a week later, they, they, they combined forces basically. Then a week later, the RNA, who is separate from the PGA Tour, bans me from a tournament to celebrate the, you know, the 150th anniversary where I'm a two-time champion. I'm one of the greatest players of all time. You know, probably top 20 talent. But I only won two majors. And those were two of them. The Opens. And they didn't let me come. If, if I was in his shoes, I would be even more pissed off. I would be in double FU mode. So you could argue this thing might even get uglier. I would go extra hard after stealing more guys. Because I would think that the PGA Tour was a huge reason that they banned me. You can say, well, the RNA and, and the Open and just they think for themselves. Yeah, I'm not saying they don't, but you can't tell me that Jay Monahan wasn't pushing for this. Uh, so it's just it's just a story that's not going to die. And then last but not least, before we get into Sobel, my betting card. I bet uh, Justin Thomas a long time ago, I think right after the Masters, maybe, uh, maybe it was the PGA Championship. And I don't feel quite as good. He's obviously been injured. Uh, he missed the cut last week. Doesn't bother me as much because he immediately came to St. Andrews and started practicing with Tiger. Uh, but I don't feel as great about that, given his injury, as I once did. But I do feel pretty confident with him and Bones on the bag and a guy with every shot, the ability to just make things happen. Though, his record is not great. He's spoken about that just in majors in general. I still believe that he was going to be a guy that had a huge breakthrough year. I, I'm just not quite as confident as I when I made the bet. And the odds actually got a little better. Uh, but the guy that I have put a massive, massive wager on, if a unit for me is one, I, I put five units on the guy. <laughs> so if Rory wins, I'll make about five Gs. And I just think it's his time. You know, he's in an incredible mental space. He has played an unreal season really since he had that final day at the Ryder cup where he was really shitty until the last day where he kicked ass and he cried. He has felt like a different human being. He's finished. He was second at the masters, eighth at the PGA and fifth at the U S open. And he just played really, really good golf. And obviously what this tournament means to him, he's Irish and this is in Scotland, but still it's, you know, for us Americans, I think of it kind of as the same thing. And even he says, like, this is kind of the home area. Uh, you know, he's the biggest active star in golf right now. And he's playing awesome. And listen, I, it's hard to pick winners. I'm not saying I, I would bet the mortgage on it. But I feel pretty comfortable making the biggest golf bet I've ever made. I've hit golf bets that have paid three, four grand. But that, those are because the return on investment have been outstanding. I've never put this amount of money because it's in golf, it's it's very, very hard to pick winners. And typically, you don't pick the favorites unless his name's Tiger, uh, Eldrick Tiger Woods. But I feel pretty good about taking the heavy favorite. I like where his head's at. I like where his game's at. And I think it would be pretty remarkable and pretty fitting. Uh, and, and honestly, it'd be a little storybooky for the PGA Tour Rory against Liv. But it's, you can't be emotional with gambling. It's why I like several other guys. Tommy Fleetwood, who has really been on the comeback trail these last couple of months. 
just finished top 10 in Scotland, is an iron flusher. I mean, this is a tournament, which, let's face it, I saw, I saw not Taylor Gooch, but uh, Sam Burns show how hard the fairways were. Bounced a ball on the fairway, a golf ball, and it bounced back up into his hand. So you don't need to hit it 350 yards. To me, and I've never played there, but I did a lot of research. Second shot golf course, just in terms of if the wind's pumping, you might have to hit seven irons, 120 yards. If the wind is pumping downhill, you might have to hit a sand wedge from 165. And guys who feel very, very comfortable as great ball strikers, this guy has also had success in the Open Championship while at other courses, but again, this guy is from this area. So I like Tommy Fleetwood a lot. Victor Hovland is another guy. I was texting with my cousin Nick, and we were talking about Bryson being kind of like, it's pretty crazy. Just a year ago, Bryson was considered one of the best players in the world. And every single tournament from a gambling perspective, Bryson DeChambeau was somewhere between 15 and 25 to 1. Every tournament, basically in 2021. And he deserved it because he was winning. He was a major champion. He was competitive. I mean, he was just in the mix every tournament. He's 100 to 1. Now, I don't like him here because it's just hard to control your driver when fairways are rock hard. But that's pretty good value. That, that, that really is pretty good value. If you took, just even if you put $20 on Bryson DeChambeau at 100 to 1 or whatever he ends up going off at 80 to 1, I don't think it's that crazy. But Victor Hovland, where a lot of people get off him in majors because it's chipping and his short game is not great. Well, anyone that's played Lynx golf, whether you've played at just your random links around where you live or been to Bandon or to the this area, Scotland, Ireland, whatever, you don't need, I mean, chipping's a lot different. You can bump and run everything. You can putt things. I actually think it neutralizes his putting. I love Victor Hovland this week. Now, I don't know if he's necessarily going to win it, but I have a top five bet on him. I have a first round leader bet on him. If you wanted to take a top 10 bet on him, I don't think that's crazy. But I like ball strikers. Why I'm going with Rory. Why I'm going with JT. Why I'm going with Hovland. Why I'm going with Fleetwood. Now, there's a lot of other names. Fitzpatrick, the Shane Lowry's. <laughs> My problem with Scotty Scheffler, he'd never played here before. And just doing a lot of, uh, I'm sure people listening have played the course, so you know, but do, doing a lot of recon on this website called YouTube. There is, it's just crazy. I, I can't imagine you being comfortable with this place in a week. It's why a lot of people think Tiger, who I, I'm not going to bet any money on him to do anything. I just want to enjoy him. But why he does have an advantage. He knows the the nooks and crannies and and way, way things break and what hills to avoid. They just know. It's also why I like JT because he has bones. Who knows this place like the back of his hand. So I, I'm hammering Rory. Have some action on, on JT. Also actually have a bet on Hideki. Again, ball striker. Good short game. Uh, I, I know he hits the ball relatively high, but I, I think he can play every shot. So let's let's get our gamble on. Step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet the Tour with no sweat first bet. If you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back in free bets. Great promotions every day, safe and secure app, get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook and sign up using the promo code COLIN to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour, promo code COLIN. 
21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Taking a little hiatus. Summer months. He looks tanned because he's been playing golf. So have, so have I been. Uh, it's been... I love the summer. But... We have the last major of the year, and we got our man, Jason Sobel. hear him every week, Monday through Wednesday, uh, Sirius XM, Channel 92. Love that channel. Uh, two to four. You can also read him on the interweb, Action Network. He's always writing up gambling, but you've been writing a lot this summer. I, I feel it's been more in gambling. You, you've been covering golf. You, you've been deep in it all. Uh, podcasts, links and locks. You find him everywhere. Sobel. That's why I had to take a vacation last week, man. <laughs> you refreshed? How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm, I'm ready for this, man. This, this week is great. I love it. Stay up late, wake up early. I, I set my alarm for Tiger Woods press conference this morning. How sick is that? That's pretty sick. I couldn't sleep. You're, you're three hours ahead of me. I yeah. kind of came to at about 3.45, 4 a.m. I didn't mean to. And obviously, you're, you know, my, you just check your phone. He's talking. Turn on Golf Channel. 
Yep. I've been awake ever since. And now it's, yep. you know, we're recording this about noon, your time. So I'm still rocking and rolling and watch about seven press conferences. <laughs> I love it. And it's great. And Tuesday is usually my favorite day leading into a major championship because this is a day when most of the press conferences come through. There's usually some news, some great quotes. We had some really good stuff from Tiger, some great stuff from Rory and JT and Jordan today. So uh, Tuesday's a really good day. As, as far as I, from the media member's perspective of covering an event, Tuesday's like your meat and potatoes day when you're actually getting some, some good work done. You know, golf is a lot different than the team sports in terms of talking to the athletes because they're just speaking for themselves, right? Team sports, sometimes you get and ask about other stuff that you can't control. Watching Tiger really in his latter years, but you've talked to him and I heard you tell a story I heard you talking with House and tell the story about Tiger's putting years ago and Tiger, but it does feel like he's just the ultimate pro, especially in his latter years, the way, I mean, he did the circuit and he does it all the time and he speaks obviously when he's at the event, he doesn't do much when he's not playing, but would you say Tiger's just the ultimate pro, not just on the course, but just the way he is off the course in terms of the media for the tour and for the sport? Yeah, I think so. I think he's become that. And it's funny. I just started writing a column five minutes before we hopped on the pod here, where the, the first paragraph of the column is that Tiger Woods has returned to the site of his open championship wins in 2000, 2005. He's still the same person, but he sort of isn't. I, I mean, you know, physically he's different. Granted, he's older. We're all older now, but he, he's a different person. He's now kind of carrying the weight for the game a little bit. He has greater perspective. I, I think it says a lot, John, about the fact that right after he hobbled off the 18th green at Augusta National three months ago, he was asked about his schedule. And he said, PGA Championship a month from now, I'm not sure. He wound up playing, made the cut, withdrew after the third round because he was hurting so much. U.S. Open, I'm not sure, wound up not playing at Brookline. Open Championship, yes, I'm in. I, I mean, for, for a guy who was clearly in pain when he finished playing four rounds at Augusta National to say, yes, no doubt, I will be at the Open Championship – it's not just about, hey, I've played that course and I think I can win. I really like it there. It's about this is the biggest celebration in the game's history. 150 years, the, the longest running golf tournament that we have. Tiger felt like he needed to be a part of this. So even saying that three months ago, and the fact that he had this circled on his calendar, I think tells us a lot about sort of his perspective of the game. You've been around all these guys, young and old now, for a couple decades. How cool was it to see Tiger? It's one thing to talk about it, but his actions, taking the pictures on the bridge with Jack and Lee Trevino and Rory, the, the hit and giggle thing they did with the former champions. But him specifically, like you said, he's a different person, totally embracing these things like you would as a parent, like as a grandparent. Like I think he gets it now in terms of how much this means for him to be there for everyone else. He's enjoying himself, and I don't think he's doing it for anyone else. I don't think he's like, hey, let me go out there and play this uh, celebration of champions just for the fans so, I, you know, they can watch me or because, you know, Rory asked me to play with him or something. He's doing it for himself. I don't think Tiger does anything that he necessarily doesn't want to do. Tiger's like, hey, I'm at the point in my life where if I want to do something, I do it. Uh, Lee Westwood told me that a few years ago, and maybe it takes on a different meaning now that he's gone to live golf, but Lee Westwood said, uh, this is maybe two years ago. I was talking to the Honda Classic, and uh, you know, you just seem like a different guy. You seem happy. You seem, you know, relaxed and refreshed. And Lee said, "You know what? These days, if I want to do something, I do it. Whether that's playing in a golf tournament, or you know, going on vacation, or whatever I want to do. And if I don't want to do something, and, and then again, playing in a tournament, I don't feel like playing there. I just don't do it. 
and it's a great way to live my life. And I feel like Tiger is sort of, he's at about the same age that Westwood was when he told me those comments. And I feel like Tiger's at the same point in his life where he says, you know, if I want to do something, I do it. If I don't, I don't. And I don't think Tiger's playing in a four hole event like that or taking pictures on Swilkin Bridge because he's getting pressured into it because he feels like he has to, or he should do it. He's doing it because he wants to. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I would imagine there's some people listening to this that have played over there, but I'd say the vast majority of us have, haven't been there. Obviously, we've seen it, and you can go on YouTube and seen it. You, you've walked this course. You've been there multiple times for this championship. How hard is this course? Describe this course. What's your favorite part uh, of the old course? So it's obviously tricky. It's quirky. It's not hard. I think a lot of people are going to look at this coming into this week and say, boy, you know, you're just going to have to grind out pars and say that. No. That is not going to be the case. Look, weather is the biggest determining factor at an open championship, and especially at this open championship where it's nine holes straight out and nine holes coming back, and so it's completely exposed. Not like, well, we, we put in a bunch of trees around the fifth hole, and so, you know, it kind of gets blocked. Up. Nah, it's If it gets windy, it gets really windy. You remember seven years ago, back in 2015, we basically had off on Saturday because – balls were rolling off the green out at the far end of the golf course. Meanwhile, uh, we're standing by the first tee like it's a two-mile-an-hour breeze. What are we doing? We're, we're postponing play. We're delaying it. But three miles away or whatever it was all the way out at the other end, uh, the balls were blowing all over the place. And so it is very exposed. That said, the wind is not supposed to be blowing much this week. It's not going to be raining sideways. All the things that we like to see, sitting at home on our couch in the U.S., where we turn it on early in the morning and say, all right, give me some carnage. Give me the weather. It ain't going to happen this weekend. So there are high temperatures every day between 68 and 72, lots of sun. Bring your sunscreen over to Scotland when you go there in the summer, I guess. And a 10 to 20 mile an hour breeze, which really isn't going to do a whole lot to affect scoring. And I think these guys are going to tear it up. Essentially, you've got four reachable par fives. You've got three par four holes that are reachable if you get the right wind. These guys are going to make an awful lot of birdies. I think it could be something close to 20 under that wins this golf tournament. Rory doesn't agree with me. Rory said it's going to get tougher on the weekend. Justin Thomas doesn't agree with me. He said something in the 12 to 15 under range. I I still think they're underplaying it a little bit. I think it's going to be something around 20 under. I think there's going to be a lot of birdies. In fact, John, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the lowest score ever at a major championship. Again, we can play these things – not even 150 years. It's been more than that. 1860 was the first one. Obviously, they didn't play it for a handful of years for wars and stuff like that. But I, I do believe that we could see the first ever 61 at a major championship this week. We saw one at the Renaissance Club last week in the Scottish Open. That was a much tougher golf course than we'll see this week at St. Andrews. And Rory, I, I was watching this press conference about 4.15 in the morning. He talked about he had a chance to shoot 62 here, right? Uh, whatever. Yep. 12 years ago. Did you see the, uh, the clip of Sam Burns? Uh, he put it on Instagram. He threw the ball off the, off the fairway and it bounced right up. You, you, even obviously if it did, the wind is a huge factor here. Cause the course, I mean, I, I was watching this thing. They've had to put tees on other courses just to lengthen the thing out. But what if it's rock hard? Does that not defend the, are these guys just too good? Yeah, I mean, look, it, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be like, Hey, you know, just hit your ball. It goes right to the hole. I, it's going to be a nuanced, uh, golf courses, a lot of subtleties. It's a lot of knowing where to hit it, knowing where to miss it. A lot of it's going to come down to, and I, I know a lot of people aren't going to like this. I'm in the analytics business. We're looking at metrics. We're looking at statistics on a regular basis. It's going to come down to luck. We all know that Tiger Woods back in 2000 didn't hit into a single bunker 
at St. Andrews when he won that golf tournament. Uh, quite frankly, some guy is going to win this tournament and on Sunday evening go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I just kind of missed all the bunkers. I don't know. Just, you know, I hit near a bunch of them. And just, it, instead of going in the bunker, it rolled 75 yards past, and I had a wedge in on a par five. Meanwhile, some other guys are going to hit some shots. Go, I, I played really well. I caught the face of a couple of pot bunkers out there and all of a sudden have made some double bogeys just trying to hit out sideways, and I'm going home on Friday afternoon. And those two players, the guy who wins and the guy who's going home on Friday, might not have played all that dissimilar, and yet one got really lucky and one got unlucky. And that's that's going to play a big part this week. And, you know, it plays a big part every week. I think it's going to play a bigger part at this one because staying out of the bunkers is going to be – that's really – without wind, that's the biggest defense in this golf course. Well, before we get into the picks, one thing they were debating on Golf Channel last night was length. And do you think length – you know, some believe that it plays a huge part no matter where now, but on a course like this, let's say assume the wind is pretty average or below at, not crazy – does that then benefit the guys that hit a little longer and doesn't kind of neutralize for the shorter hitters? Or do you think that some some shorter hitters, great short game, you know, precision guys, have Zach Johnson, you know, in 2005 or 2015, but you were that, well, I guess it was win, way windier then. Yeah, uh, it was. So the, the short guys need the win to have a chance? No, I, I don't think, I mean, it plays a little over 70, 300 yards. Look, if you hit it a long way, you always have a chance. Now, the advantage comes in that, Let's say a guy, I don't know, I'll take a big hitter, Tony Finau, a Gary Woodland, a guy like that. Bryson's not a great example because Bryson's probably just going to rip driver all over yeah. the place. But the advantage that a big hitter like a Woodland or a Finau, maybe a John Rahm has, is that if Kevin Kisner, if Zach Johnson needs to hit driver to get their ball down the fairway, a Gary Woodland or Finau or, or Rahm, they, they can hit a three iron. They can hit a four iron and chase it down there. And so they can be more accurate with that club and the balls are going to roll. I mean, we saw it yesterday just in that four hole challenge. I mean, uh, you hit the ball uh, on the right line, on the right target, and you miss the bunkers. It's going to go forever. Tiger Woods drove it through the 18th green uh, in that little challenge there. And look, Tiger's not one of the longest players out there by any means anymore. So, I mean, some of these guys might have to hold back and hit three wood into some of the par fours. It, it just, the ball's not going to stop. Jordan Spieth was asked about it during his press conference. He said, you know, he's asked the question, uh, is it faster in the fairways or on the greens? And he kind of goes, well, uh, you know, and I mean, it, it really is. It, it might be a matter of like, it might be running faster on some of the fairways than it is on some of the greens. Well, before we get into the main names, and this guy is a main name technically. I mean, a, a year ago, every single tournament, he was 15 to 25 to 1, but you mentioned his name. You can get him right now, 65, 70 to 1 on FanDuel. Bryson DeChambeau, is he an automatic fade for you at, at this place? Uh, look, he's not going to win. Because those, those odds, but, Sobel, are pretty crazy given how – I mean, just a year ago, you would have said like he's one of the best players in the world. No doubt. And here's the deal with Bryce. He, he hasn't finished in the top 50 of a full-field event since last August. It's Liv. been 11 months. <laughs> I, Liv's not a full-field. I know. We can I say know. whatever you want about Liv. I'm not knocking Liv right now. I will later. <laughs> uh, but Liv's not full-field events. I'm saying a full, actual, bigger event. He's not finished inside the top 50. That said – I sort of feel like, I don't know, Bryson's biggest detriment to his game, the biggest disadvantage he has is with those mid-irons. He's not, you know, uh, those, those single-length irons, uh, that's the one part of his game that he struggles with a little bit. If he can bomb drives and then hit wedges and, and putt and essentially can walk around there with four clubs, just bring a little carry bag, 
I think he can actually play pretty well. I have no idea about the injury status. That's the big X factor right now. I have no idea if he's 98% right now or 50% and how that's going to affect him. And I know that he hasn't played well, but I did my ranking of the field, John. I did the top 50. I got Bryson right around 25th this week, which I said, I couched it. I said, look, I don't love it either, but I could see a scenario where Bryson actually has a pretty good week. Okay, let's get into your real fade with a name that I think, I mean, I have money on, Justin Thomas. And you've actually kind of convinced me I don't feel quite as confident. You know, last week, let's just, even if that didn't happen, because he did get to come out to the open early, but he was injured not very long ago. And that, to me, is a little concerning in a place that's, you know, it's not, like you said, it could be warm, but weather can change there fast. Are you out on him this weekend, for sure? I I hate to fade a guy like JT, because I, I'm a massive Justin Thomas fan. The guy's got as much talent as just about anybody in the world. We saw him win the PGA Championship just two months ago. But here's what I'm looking at. A few weeks ago, he went to the Travelers Championship, withdrew beforehand with a back injury. Now, I know a lot of people look at it and go, okay, yeah, a quote-unquote back injury after the U.S. Open. He just wanted to get home and relax a little bit. He was tweeting that weekend about, hey, everybody got a podcast request. Uh, I can't really go out anywhere. I can't really do anything. That tells me that the back was in pretty bad shape not that long ago. Went to the Scottish Open last week, shot 10 over not for good. two rounds. I believe he made a double bogey and 13 bogeys in not two good. rounds. That's a lot of squares around that scorecard. I don't like seeing that. Now, he said in his press conference earlier today, hey, it was the, the best miscut of my career because I got to come here and start warming up early. I get it. Sometimes those things can be a blessing in disguise, but I, I just think there's something a little off with JT right now. Uh, I love his game normally. I hope he plays well. I just don't think he's quite where he needs to be. Well, we haven't talked for a couple of weeks, not to toot my own horn, but uh, I, I, I hammered a JT Poston bet a couple weeks ago oh, with John Deere, nice. and I, I hit him to top 10, and I hit him to win. So I had, a, I had a lot of ammo. So I put the biggest individual bet I've ever put on one guy to win it. And you and I are on the same page. And these odds, I mean, this is not quite Tiger territory, but it's creeping up that way. You watch him today. You gave a good story. I heard you when you were talking on uh, on the Ringer podcast about talking with Rory at the Travelers and just his vibe and his mindset, let alone how good he's been this year. It feels like, you know, a lot of times John Rahm was the favorite going in a lot of big tournaments over the mm -hmm. last year, but it felt like, do you really feel, it does feel like if Rory just just keeps the train on the tracks early, like he's going to have a great chance to win this thing. He's my pick. He's your pick. Just hammer it home. Every narrative in Rory's direction. I feel like all, there are all these neon signs pointing like Rory, 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 just uh, pointing at him this week. It feels a lot like you mentioned John Rahm. It feels like John Rahm going into the U.S. Open last year where we all looked at him and said, well, it's a short number. He's the favorite, but he is going to win this thing, right? And we all kind of said, well, yeah, and he went out. And, of course, he won. I, I mean, I look at Rory and I say, I know it's been eight years since he's won a major championship, but top 10 at each of the first three this year. He's been top 20 in his last seven starts overall. He's sort of carrying this weight of being the vocal leader of the sport right now. I think it's all pointing in his direction. I'll throw out this. I talk about it being the 150th Open Championship. In my mind, it's not hyperbole. This is the greatest celebration in the history of the game. Just Tiger, Tiger agreed with you. Yeah, it's just this is this is the biggest event that we've had. It doesn't mean it's going to be the best event. It just means it's the biggest one, the, the most momentous, historic event in the history of the game. There's a lot of history 
that we're talking about. The 50th Masters, the, the round number anniversary, occurred back in 1986. You know what happened that year? Jack Nicholas won. The 100th U.S. Open, nice big round number, 2000 Pebble Beach, Tiger Woods won by 15. I just don't see a scenario in which at the 150th Open Championship, uh, you know, some guy, uh, I don't know, Dean Burmester comes out of nowhere and wins this thing. We're like, hey, cool, you know, we got – the, the momentous anniversaries, the celebrations of the game. We got Jack, Tiger, and Dean. I, I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a big-name player. And, and I've got – I mean, I, I've got Rory everywhere right now. John, essentially what I've been doing, uh, every time I look at, uh, at the board, every time I look at whether it's a Tommy Fleetwood, who I really like, and has a decent number, Robert McIntyre, who, eh, he's a long shot. I can take him. Every time I think about clicking their name and putting some money on them, I click on Rory instead and put more money on him because I really think he's going to win this week. Uh, I'm with you, but <clears throat> gambling on golf is tough, so you got to have some contingency plans. Fleetwood, I, you know, he's a guy who's excelled at the Open Championship, obviously different courses. His game is trending the right way. Is it fair to say that this – you always got to hit it well off the tee, but, I mean, this is your second shot, especially if the wind kicks up. He's a guy that can hit seven irons, 120 yards, or sand wedges. Like, he can do it all. It's it's hard not to hate Fleetwood at, at a number close to 30 to 1, right? I, look, I love Fleetwood for every – the only reason I wouldn't bet Fleetwood outright is because I feel so good about Rory. But, yes, I'll back it up with some Fleetwood. I bet him top five. I've actually – I have ago, a top bet five bet on him too. Five, which I, I have already. But a lot of DFS lineups, yes. I, I love Fleetwood. My top 50 ranking of the field, it, the top three on the board, for me, go Rory, Jordan, Tommy Fleetwood. I, I love everything about him this week. He's sort of taken a while to come back to elite-level status. I think for some reason, COVID affected some players, whether it was psychologically or mentally. It affected some guys more than it affected some others. I felt like Tommy Fleetwood was affected by it. Don't you think it threw uh, off so, a lot of the guys that were kind of stuck in Europe and not the guys in America were able to play a lot of golf? Or is that just yeah, me? Yeah, I mean, I think he was stuck for a little bit. But I also think it was just sort of a – he's a very socially conscious kind of guy. And, and I think there, there's something that had to do with the fact that, you know, hey, are we really playing golf during a pandemic? And what does this mean? And why are we doing it? It's taken him a while to get back to that status. But he's been he's been good. Certainly not great for most of the year, but he's putting together a lot of – you know, 27th, 23rd place finishes. He finally, he, he played really well, I believe, the PGA Championship a couple months ago. And then last week at the Scottish Open, tied for fourth place, really good final round. Uh, that was all the confirmation I needed from Fleetwood. I, I like everything about him this week. Well, my Lynx experience is basically Bandon Dunes and Bodega Bay. But I, I would say that it ben I'm not a great chipper of the, of the golf ball. But in links, you know, it's a little bit different than your, just your average golf course. So does that bring in Victor Hovland, whose number is kind of high, a little more at a course that second shot golfer chipping is not, he's not hitting out a crazy rough. He can putt just, you know, off the green. I, not necessarily to win it, but I, I do. I have a big bet on Victor Hovland, a top 10 in this thing. What do you think? I really like it. And he hasn't played well. So the number has gotten much bigger on Victor over the last month or so because his, his clubs didn't arrive last week he played with extra not his own clubs yeah he doesn't have a top 20 in a stroke play event since march i believe going back to it was either bay hill or the players championship it's been a while for victor hovland but and i might be talking out of both sides of my mouth here so 
Uh, you know, so I, I want to kind of go through this with you, but there are three players who, you know, I think, okay, there's, there's a part of their game that isn't necessarily a great part. And so one is Bryson where we say, okay, the iron play is not great, but I feel like Bryson can smash driver and then basically hit wedges and, and putt for most of the round and not even need to hit those irons. Victor Hovland is a guy who ranks in the top 30 off the tee on approach shots and putting so far this year. He's dead last still. It's been basically all year. Dead last on the PGA Tour in strokes gain around the green. It still fascinates me how a guy can be top 10 in the world and be so bad at one aspect of the game that's so important. Very and relatable. Yet, uh, yeah, well, uh, that's the only thing I can do. You and I should play like a little scramble together because I, I can chip it. I just My ball striking is terrible, and I, I don't make any putts, but I can chip it close every time. So in any case, uh, he's not going to need to. This isn't sticky Bermuda. This isn't thick bent grass. It's just uh, He can putt all of them if he wants to this week. So he's not going to need to hit those wedges around the greens. I like him. The other guy that I will say this about too is Cameron Smith. The one detriment of Cameron Smith's game is the fact that he sprays it all over the place off the tee. Hits it a pretty long way, but he has no idea where it's going. Well, on this golf course, essentially, I mean, yeah, okay, if you hit it into a pot bunker every single time you hit off the tee, you're going to be in trouble. But if you miss them, it, it, hit it wild into some fescue, it's not going to be that big of a deal. And so I think Cameron Smith is a really nice play. He scrambles as well as anybody. Jordan Spieth, I think, is the most creative player in the game. Right now, that's one of the reasons I really like him this week. I would say Cameron Smith is right up there with him. When I think Cameron Smith, American version, I know he's more accomplished now, but a Scotty Scheffler guy just can kind of do it all. But I watched, I'm sure you've seen some of the clips, the Open's been, their YouTube channel's been remarkable. Will mm -hmm. Zalan Torres is walking up and he, and he, and he looks at Scotty who's teeing off on one, like, have you played here before? And Scotty goes, no, my first time. And that went, you know, because I want to like Scotty this week. And I know he's got a, He's got a caddy that's been there several times because he used to mm -hmm. cook patty for Bubba. But I do. I don't love the non-experience. I'd be calling Morikawa again, a guy that should, if it's not windy, should be pretty good here. But I don't like these first-time guys here. Do you? I feel like Colin Morikawa, what he did last year, is going to get a lot of people onto a Scotty Scheffler or a Will Zalatoris where we go, hey, you know what? Morikawa didn't have experience playing links, and he won last year, so these guys can do it too. I think it was just a one-off. I think Morikawa just happened to have a great week last year and, and wound up winning the thing. That's not that's, – that's the outlier. That's not the usual at an open championship. And so I like Scheffler. I think Scheffler is going to be decent on this golf course. Look, he's a Texas guy. The Texas, Texas guys in the wind, um, you know, playing it on the ground, have a little more experience with this type of golf course. Will Zalatoris, to me, is a guy who – he got hurt last year at the Open Championship, had to withdraw. He's a guy that I don't like at all, and I think a lot of people are jumping on him just because he's played so well at the major championships. A couple of runner-up finishes and a sixth-place finish, and so I understand the rationale behind liking Zalatoris this week, but not being a Lynx player, he's a fade for me. I'm not into Zalatoris this week. One long shot that would have pretty good odds as a top 10, and he's played really well this year, and he's been competitive in majors and at the players, is Keegan Bradley. Uh, what, what, what's your take there? I know he's a, he hits the ball high, right? Now, if the wind's not pumping, is is this a bad course fit? Uh, what, what's your take on, on Keegan? Just as a guy that I, I like on that 101 over that I can get good top 10 odds, a guy that's had a lot of success this year, especially in hard golf tournaments. Yeah, Keegan was texting me on Monday morning, asking me when the tee times were going to be out. I'm like, 
dude, I'm not even there. You're there. Why are you asking me? So in any case, I, I love Keegan. I would like nothing more than for Keegan to be in the hunt come Sunday. I don't think it's a great golf course for him. You're right. He hits a high ball. Uh, you know, the putter gets a little bulky at times. Uh, can we trust him to roll in some six and eight footers when he needs to? I don't know. I, you know, I just, I'm probably staying away from Keegan. If I'm looking at guys for a top 10, I'm sticking with guys who have more links experience. Doesn't necessarily an experience doesn't necessarily mean a guy who's 43 years old has been doing it for 20 years, but like a Robert McIntyre, who's a native of Scotland has finishes of sixth and eighth place in the last two editions of the open. He's a guy that I love this week, even though he hasn't had a great year. I think this is a really good week for him. Thomas Dietrich from Belgium. He plays the European Tour, the DP World Tour. He's been really good over the last few years. Still looking for that first win, but he's got nine career top three finishes. Shows me that he's one of the better players out there that we don't see on American soil very often. I can see him having a good week. So if I'm betting these guys for top tens, I want guys with a little more Lynx experience than, hey, give me, give me the Americans who just fly over for a week every year. Well, how about this? Let's just end the gambling part on this. Some of uh, I don't usually do this because the odds on top 20s aren't great. But when you get guys that are 200 plus to one, their top 20s are not crazy. Stuart Sink, Lee Westwood, Mickelson, Nah, any of those older guys talk about experience that you, you would could be interesting. I mean, Sink's kind of revitalized his career these <laughs> last couple of years. Kevin Nah is still a relatively good player. I know he's defected, but is this a good course fit for Kevin? Yeah, not really. Uh, I don't. I don't rate Kevin that highly this week. Uh, it's nothing against the live guy. You mentioned I think three out of four guys there are live guys. I actually have some live guys on my list this week. But Richard Bland again, played well. Sport. Who's that? Richard Bland been having a had a good couple year run. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I've got some more under the rate, like a Justin Harding, who's actually a very good player, who's uh, actually played well in a few live events before he went over to live. He was top seven in three of his last five starts going into it. Scott Vincent won his last two starts, one in Japan, one on the Asian tour, before he went and started playing for Liv. These are guys that are in some form, have some big numbers next to their names for top 20-type bets. Uh, they're not the biggest names out there, but these are the guys that went to Liv and I think are still motivated to go out and play some good golf that haven't just gotten massive signing bonuses and are, uh, are just going out and, you know, kind of going through the motions now and, and might lose that competitive edge a little bit. So the, those are the guys I like for, for live players, the under-the-radar guys who, you know, nobody's really talking about. I'll get you out of here on this. I, I compared to open the podcast, Greg Norman, the kind of a combination of Terrell Owens and Alex Rodriguez. I mean, for whatever reason, people just don't hmm. like the guy. Yeah. Uh, I saw Derek Jeter said today, I guess he's a documentary's coming out. Like he just didn't like him. I, Terrell Owens, you could argue is the second best wide receiver of all time. Got into the hall of fame and didn't go to the hall of fame. Like it's just, something's just off with Greg. I mean, he did win this tournament twice. When you saw one, what was your initial reaction? And ultimately were you that surprised that they wanted no part of him showing up? So a lot of times these decisions are made and the public thinks, Oh man, they just went out and like decreed that, you can't show up. I have to imagine there were backroom conversations and there was talk about it and there was talk with players. I, I would not be surprised if Tiger Woods was consulted, if some other players were consulted, past champions. Hey, what do you think? Uh, you know, Greg's a former champion. We're having a celebration of champions. We're having a champion's dinner. Should he be here? 
And, and my guess is that most of them said, no, he's going to be a disruption. This is what he's trying. This is literally what he's trying to do with live golf right now is disrupt the status quo of what's going on in golf. Why would you bring him in to cause a disruption of the biggest celebration that the game has ever seen? And so I, I love the fact that they're letting the live golfers play. If you've qualified, you're a Phil Mickelson, you're a Brooks Kepka, a Dustin Johnson. Yeah, come on out. You can play in our golf tournament. We're not going to tell you you can't. You qualified. But that's the difference between a qualification and an invitation. And I wrote that on Twitter last week after the Greg Norman news came out. I think that's going to be very interesting, the precedent that's been set here. And I get that it's not for an actual entry into the field. But nine months from now, we've got a Masters tournament coming up at Augusta National where unlike the other three major championships, you don't qualify for the Masters. You're invited to play the Masters. And I wonder if just based on some legal loopholes, and I have no idea what Fred Ridley and the folks at Augusta National are thinking, but I think that's the one tournament that legally can tell these players, oh, yeah, we know you quote-unquote qualified, but you're not invited and you can't play our tournament. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if that winds up being the case. I don't think we'll know until maybe next year in January, February, even March, but um, that's going to be very interesting moving forward. I think it's the one tournament that can get away with it without any legal recourse because it's set up as an invitation, not a qualification. That's a lot of champions that, that Liv has. Oh, yeah. Right? That, that. Phil, DJ, Reed, Sergio, yeah. One last thing. I heard you say about Tiger's involvement. He's not around as much, but you had talked to people that you, you think he's pretty involved with Jay and the tour and their reaction on a weekly, just the thought process moving forward, the way the tour is operating and pushed for the increased purses. And it's clear. I mean, he said it again today, his stance, but his activity we don't get to see. Is it fair to say that he's pretty active? Uh, with the tour and this fight against uh, this uh, the Saudis? I think way more than any of us even realize. Rory told me he speaks with Tiger just about every other day. And he said, I I'm telling you, Tiger has his finger on the pulse of what's going on, which says a lot from Rory because Rory has his finger all over the pulse. And when I say Rory knows what's going on, I mean, he's breaking down the 501c6 label of the PGA Tour and why that handcuffs them, but why it also benefits them in some ways. I mean, Rory knows way more about what's going on than I think he's given credit for. Anyone, uh, I'd even think any player would know that much, but Rory has done his homework and educated himself. He's telling me that Tiger really knows what's going on and has a lot of influence as to what's going on. So, yeah, I... I don't think Tiger necessarily wants to promote that. I don't think Tiger wants to advertise that. I've said for years that it wouldn't shock me if Tiger's not really a Ryder Cup captain moving forward, but just sort of the de facto assistant who does all the dirty work. The Tiger doesn't want to go, hey, let me go fly to Rome and do a press conference in April just to promote the Ryder Cup. But, hey, when it's Friday night, we've got to put out pairings for Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm doing all the work on it, and some other guy can – announce it to the press. And, and so I, I think Tiger likes doing a lot of this behind the scenes work that you and I will never see and the public never sees, but the people involved know exactly how influential he is. So well, you're the man. And um, I mean, this is obviously the last major of the year. It feels like the last big tournament of the year. I know the FedEx playoffs, mm -hmm. but it's just not quite the same. And the, the president's yeah. cup, who knows how that thing's going to play out with the live stuff, but this is going to be a pretty special four days. And let's, uh, 
let's enjoy some golf. This is pretty this is pretty fun for all the crap that's gone on over the last couple of months. This this feels kind of pure again, you know, for for a short period of time. Team no sleep, bro. <laughs> let's do Staying it. Staying up four straight days. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take it easy. Have a good weekend. You too, buddy. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bowl flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards 
on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, let's do a little go low pod. At go low pod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here up on the show. Uh, let's start with a couple ones. I'm sure you'll handle this on the pod. What Tiger bet are you playing this week? Maybe he feels like it's his last competitive opportunity at St. Andrews. So I'm sure he is going to give it 110%. I feel good about him making the cut after Southern Hills round two grind. I think my biggest bet is for him to make the cut. Maybe sprinkle a top 20 wager. Full disclosure, I'm going to go no no action probably. Just root like a fan who doesn't need to have money on him. But I, I think a top 20 sprinkle on it. It's still pretty risky. I mean, he just doesn't get to play. Now, I know he knows this place, but I, I think it's really hard. Uh, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to bet on him. Do you think Jack being the guy the Saudis initially wanted to head up live is true? And do you think the whole thing plays out differently if so? Norman's vendetta is a good chunk of how things have gone. Yeah, any time that the competitor feels like an adversary, it creates a whole nother level. Right When the other person looks like he's trying to destroy you, it creates a level of animosity. And then, you know, when your competition is trying to destroy you and he's worked for you and with you, it adds a whole nother element. Like, they all know these guys. Sometimes your competition, you might not know them personally. Well, in the sport of golf, every guy that's talking, especially over 40 years old, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, whoever, knows Greg Norman personally. Jay Monahan. So it just, I I don't think Jack Nicholas would have taken it. So it's kind of a moot point would be my overall take. Okay, think Scotty breaks the top five this week. I think I talked about it earlier on the pod, or maybe I talked about it with Sobel. I don't like Scheffler this week because I don't like first-time guys at this course. It, it makes me a little nervous. That That would be my take. I like the Woodland pick. I sprinkled a little bit on Gary Woodland as just a, as a long, long shot. Uh... That would be my, I, I might, I'm recording this part on Tuesday afternoon. I might sprinkle a little bit on Bryson. Not that I think he's going to win, but his odds. I'm just, I'm a value guy. Uh, what is the real lowdown on golf technology? Does it actually improve significantly model over model? Brand differences. I've always felt it's just a cash grab. What say you? Same question about golf balls. I've played the same clubs now for five years. And before that, I played the same clubs for 10 years. I've had the same irons, 4-5. I've had the same woods for about three. I've played the TP5X golf balls for about five. And before that, I played Pro V's or, yeah, basically Pro V's for my entire life. So I, I, I play the same equipment. <clears throat> I'm a bad guy to ask because I don't change my equipment that often. So I, I, I would do your own research on that. I, I don't have a great answer. Because I've been pretty consistent with the equipment. Like, I don't get free shit. So when I spend a couple grand on brand new clubs, I use them for a while. <laughs> I, I broke I broke par for the first time last weekend. Shot 71 at my club. 
Felt pretty good. Not going to lie. <clears throat> Would you have any connections who could help me purchase some Live Golf merch? I can't find any place online selling any. I'd love to rock a Four Aces shirt this summer from Austin. I mean, I, I don't think this guy's bullshitting. I don't. I mean, I, your guess would be as good as mine. I, I would check the interweb, but I, they don't have any uh, any up there. I-61 and out of your typical but love golf and betting. I live in Orange, OC, California, and have a hard time finding an app to bet straight-up bets, FanDuel and DraftKings. Obviously, it's not legal in California. What apps would you recommend? You know, FanDuel. So I, I, I would go to Arizona, use FanDuel, as long as you're listening to this podcast. Uh, we can't break the rules here. We got to follow the rules. Or find a bookie, you know? People are like, Middle Cop, how do you bet? I've been betting my entire life. I mean, how did how did people smoke weed before weed became illegal, you know? <laughs> it's just, we. there's a will, there's a way. Uh, need reaction pod to the Live Weekend, the Shark, if there is a first event. Live to the PGA is Netflix to Blockbuster if players really start leaving. I think I talked, maybe I didn't do a golf podcast last week, did I? On the Pumpkin Ridge event, Greg Norman pouring beer in guys' mouths. I mean, I, like I said earlier, he's like a mix of A-Rod meets T.O. Uh, his social media, man, just go to his uh, go to his Instagram. It's a trip. This podcast probably gone pretty long, so I'll, <clears throat> I'll manually ask. A lot of these live questions are old because uh, I, I, I took a week off, I think, from doing some podcasts. So I'll manually answer some of your, po- your, some of your questions. For the pod, here's the last one. Would love an update on your golf game. Also, what new golf courses have you been playing? I've been I joined a course probably three or four months ago. I basically play it all the time. I mean, I'm paying for it, so I I shot I broke par for the first time in my life uh, last weekend. Shot 71. Played the next day. Now I played the the men's tees. The next day I played the pro tees because if you're listening to this on Wednesday. A lot of the U.S. amateur qualifying is going all over America. We have at the club the U.S. amateur qualifying on... There's actually two courses. It's not a bad setup. Uh, on the course that I played. So the, I'm playing with two guys. They're going to try to qualify on on Thursday. And they're playing the tips. I usually play the tips at a lot of courses. But for whatever reason, I just haven't been playing it at this course yet. And I was like, yeah, I'll play the tips. And I shot 79. So my, I'm like a four handicap who, you know, if he has the round of it, I, I wouldn't even say it was the round of his my life because my driver wasn't even on when I shot. I, I got up and down a lot. I had a couple sandy pars, had three birdies. Uh, you know, I, I hit it probably 290, 295. I, I hit it pretty far for not the biggest guy. Our iron player, okay. Wedges can be on. Putting can be hit or miss. You know, I'm. It, am I ever going to be a scratch golfer? You know, I, I, I work too much. I also don't love playing golf like five straight days. I like playing my couple days a week. I love watching it and talking about it as much as I like playing. Uh, now, maybe if I got a little bit better, if I could consistently shoot par, I would probably love playing even more. And I, don't get me wrong, I love to play golf, but I'm not one of those guys trying to play five days a week. You know, I, I like my couple days a week. Uh, I, I like shooting under par. That's fun. But I, I also am a guy that can shoot 73 one day and shoot 86 the next day. Even though I've been breaking 80 a lot, I've, I'm playing good golf. I got my swing working, figured out my wedges. I'm feeling good. Got a lot of momentum. But the problem is, you know, summer, I wouldn't say it's coming to an end, but when football starts, you know, not that I can't play golf. I just play less. You know, we got to pay the bills around here. So, adios. 
Hope everyone enjoyed the pod. Talk to everyone later. See you. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.